The following audio is from Cross Life Church in Tampa, Florida. We are a church that exists to help people find Christ, their place in the body, and their mission to the world. Our calling is to raise leaders and plant churches. So if you live in the Hudson area or near Wester Chapel, you can also check us out at one of our other locations. For more information, visit us at crosslife.net. So good morning, everybody. How are we doing this morning? Did anybody get uh, tornado warning alerts on your phone this morning? Yes. Did anybody think about skipping this morning? No one's going to say no. <laughs> yes. Um, <clears throat> my wife also was like, hey, so are we, are we going to church? Yes. Um, I think we have to be there today. Um, we can skip next week, though. Uh, no, 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 no. That's not, that's, that's not how we do things. Um, <clears throat> so... Good morning. It is so good to see you guys. I feel like we're really like weighted to the left of the room. So we have like the sound booth and everything back there. It's like really weighted this way. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to go through the next section in James this morning. Um, I was up till like two o'clock last night, not studying, but working. Um, so if I cough or anything, I'll try to cover this and be quiet. <clears throat> but uh, we're going to go through the next section of James this morning. And uh, as we were talking about with the, um, uh, the study uh, portion for Advent and whatnot, a um, really great way to go through that Bible study over the next, uh, was it 10 days, I think, um, is to really to soap through it. And soap is to do uh, scripture, observa- observation, application, and then prayer. So each time you go through a section of scripture, it's really helpful to do that. It really helps you uh, wrap your mind around what's going on, pray about it, ask for application from God as you're praying, um, really look for ways that it can be applied to your life today, but also just as principles as well. Sometimes there's a passage that's not like, go today and feed a homeless person. Sometimes it's like, don't treat people badly, right? And how can we apply those things as we go? So soaping is a really great way to do that. Um, And so we thought today we might go ahead and soap through our passage today as well. Um, So we're going to be going through James chapter 5 verses 1 through 6 today. Awesome. And if you don't have a Bible... If you don't, uh, and if you can't access uh, like a Bible app, we do have Bibles in the back over there. So feel free to grab some if you want. Um, if you don't have a Bible, honestly, just take that home. That's that. Um, we want you to be in God's Word. Is why Kobe really made an emphasis on it today. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're gonna have some fun today. Uh, let's go ahead and actually open up to our passage of James chapter five, and we're gonna, we're gonna be doing verses one through six. Yep. And I'd like someone to actually read it for us, okay? We're going to act like we're, so, you know, we're, we're soaping. Um, so who wants to be the lucky winner uh, to, to read today? Someone want to read? James chapter 5, 1 through 6. Otherwise, you will be voluntold. We have a, Stephanie, yes. We got King James. <clears throat> we'll, we'll allow it. <laughs> God can still use that. It's okay. <laughs> Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered and the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth. And he cries of them which have reaped are entered in the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Thank you. Cool, cool. So if we were soaping, we would just mark that and the thing. Like, I encourage you to keep a, like a diary or a journal. Mm. I am one who's not prone to do this naturally. Neither. Right? Nope. Like, no. Yeah, we just don't. But it's still a good practice because you're able to kind of look back and see your journey. So you would put this S, a scripture. You'd put either the entire passage. You don't have to write it out. Just like reference it or put something that really stuck out to you in this passage. I also don't work out, even though I know it's really good for you. So there's things that we know that are really healthy, and sometimes we just don't do them. I'm actually starting to work on it, though. I've got a notebook at home. It's empty. Um, so the, the plan Step is one. moving forward to write in it more often. 
Um, so as we look at this scripture, did, did you guys all read along in your, your Bibles, right? So you kind of, as you're hearing it, but then you're also reading it through your eyes as well. That's how we read. Um, so as you're going, what are some things that like from this passage that maybe stuck out to you really quick? Do you notice like anything timing wise or that was maybe unique about their situation that maybe you don't face today? And these are a bit more like ob- just general observations because yeah. before we jumped before we jump to like, oh, this is exactly what God's saying. Sometimes it's good to kind of go, what's going on here? What are just some, some of the obvious things that are there? So yeah, Keith, yeah, me. Okay. I mean, right there in verse one, I, I think that it, it's easy for people because they don't see what's coming right now to think everything's fine and always will be. But it says, because of the misery that is coming on you, something okay. in the future. It's hmm? good. Awesome. Someone else? What are some observations that you see right away? It can be anybody. You can be young. You can be not as young. There's stuff going on here. It, it can be simple. We got one in the back. You definitely have a different observation of God than maybe many of those we run into in our culture. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't sound as, uh, as lovey-dovey. Uh, in verse 3, your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you. It's mm-hmm. interesting, gold and silver doesn't rust. So you must be talking about something more deep here. Okay, that's good. All right. Doug? Yeah, it seems to me that um, I think a lot of times people read this and they say, it's not good to be rich. He's really talking to, in this case, non-believers, who are this misery that's coming upon you. You know, if, if you're a believer, I don't think you're golden silver will rust, right? So it's a different type of judgment that he's talking to. Okay, so he's obviously talking to a specific group of people. I'm not going to say I disagree with my dad, but... (laughs) But But he's wrong. A different perspective. Right, yeah. (laughs) It's good, though. It's good. That's why we do this. Speaking to believers is... um, personal experience speaking to is um, a lot of times a lot of Christians who have built up wealth or whatever tend to not be as generous and um, and hoard things for themselves. They don't pay the way that they should, etc. And I think, you know, maybe that this is also a warning um, to non-believers, but to also believers who feel like they need to be good stewards of their money, but then are mm. kind of stingy as well. That's good. That's good. Cool, cool. Maybe a couple more? <clears throat> Or maybe not. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Those are really good observations. And that's, that's part of why we do this soap is because we want to go through and like, okay, what's a perspective maybe that I don't have that, that they're writing to or writing from? So let me kind of just set the stage a little bit uh, in terms of where James is at, um, where we're at in time and history. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so this was written uh, before 60 AD. So what we've, what we've studied in history um, and found from, uh, from the research is that James was the son of Alphaeus. Um, he's called the brother of, of Christ, right? Brother of Jesus. Um, that may have been a cousin brother term is, is what one of the researchers come back as that, but it doesn't really matter that much. Um, but he was martyred in about 60 AD. So he wrote it before he died. Um, so, but timing-wise, it gives us kind of a pretty good perspective, though, right? If Christ was born at, at zero, right, and then if he died about 33 A.D., okay, and then if this was written before 60 A.D., so we had about a 30-year time gap max bef- between when Jesus died and when this was written, okay? So pretty early on in the church, early in the church's history. Uh, so from, from the research that historians have done, we found that there's some pretty unique data um, that's maybe different from our perspective uh, on this time period, okay? Um, so bear with us as we kind of look through this. Um, the church at that time, um, the church, so like we think of like groups of believers, right? That he would have been writing this, this book to, right? In verse... Uh, uh, verse 1 of chapter 1 he says, James, the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Okay, so there's kind of a preface there of this is who I'm writing to, distribute this letter. Okay, so take this letter, take it to all the different churches. 
Um, part of the reason for that is because the churches were about a maximum size of about 20, maybe 30 people per church, okay? So they're house churches, they're meeting in people's homes, um, they're coming together on, on the Sabbath or on Sunday, and they're meeting together, they're eating, they're talking, they're reading uh, what scriptures they do have. Um, they're also reading letters from uh, apostles to each other as they're learning and growing in this new kind of uh, Jewish-adjacent religion that's kind of a little bit different than what they've grown up in, but it's still the same core running through, just a different understanding now that we have had Christ, okay? So as they're going through this, James and other apostles are writing letters to kind of explain, hey, um, you've heard a lot, you've seen Jesus, this is kind of how things apply now. This is how we interact with others. This is how we interact with the old theology and the new uh, kind of application of the new law. Um, so the groups of people are really, really small, maybe about 20, 30 people or so. Um, and they're, they're not like a group this size. This is actually really large for an early uh, first century church. Yeah, I think like the church in Rome, I think yeah. it was like, what, 300, 300, 300. people yep. in Rome? Collective and, yeah. 300 people. Yeah. And the church in Rome was not like they all gathered at this synagogue and all 300 people were there. It was split up into churches, much like what we're talking about. So they had 10 to 15, maybe 20 churches in Rome that are all spread out throughout this large city with thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And the Christian population made up 300 people. Okay, so just for perspective-wise, when we think about application and what, what James is writing to and who he's writing to, what they're thinking and feeling when they're reading this, they're in a room of about 20 people. People they all know, right? Yeah, you know everybody's well, name. intimate relationship. Yeah. So you all know each other, right, in a group of 20 people, and you're all facing some level of persecution because you're scattered. You're part of the diaspora, as we talked about early in James. You're scattered among the nations. You're uh, in groups of people who would completely disagree with uh, a Christian theology, with, with the way that Christ went about things. Um, so you're kind of uh, really relying on each other. In these smaller groups of 20, you're keeping each other accountable encouraged, you're praying together, eating together. So it's a very close-knit community, and that's who James is writing to. Uh, so one of the things we want to talk about is, what does it mean to be rich uh, versus poor uh, in this passage, right? The very, very first verse in chapter 5 is, now listen, you rich, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Sounds terrifying. Um, but he's also writing to these churches, it's interesting too, and uh, and just I, even, we even kind of saw here in uh, the discussion that we had as a group, we actually even talked about is James writing to the unbeliever here, or is he writing to believers? And so we 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 actually dug into this, um, and from what we're seeing here, actually, uh, there um, while we have God's word, and it's easy for us to give God's word to uh, someone who does not know Jesus, who has not been to church. Yeah. The reality is that, that we obviously live in the age of a printing press, kind of like, but these were handwritten letters, and these were given specifically to people who were in the church. Like, when James wrote this, he was probably, 99.9%, probably not thinking, I'm writing this to this guy over here who's not part of this house group. Um, and this guy is going to hear what I'm saying to them. So more than likely, he actually is writing to people who have, been co who have come into the community of, uh, of faith. Um, whether they profess to know Jesus or not, we don't know that, but he is writing to this, you know, Alton talked about this small group of diverse people. Yeah. And also just to give perspective, a lot of these house churches were made up of very low income, very low class mm -hmm. people. Very poor people, actually. I, and, uh, and we can say slaves, but not like slaves like the American version of, of, of our history. It was a little bit different back then. We won't unpack that. Mm -hmm. But it, for the large majority of people, they were the, the low, the outcast. A lot of women were a part of, 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 of these churches. And you have to know, uh, in that time, that was a, a revolutionary thing, too, um, because of the patriarchal system. So... Um, Imagine this, you're in a room, a group of people, 20 people, mm -hmm. all right, and there is a guy in there who's rich, and you're one of his employees, all right? Now, think about how much it matters now that James is talking to that person. Mm -hmm. This is why it's good to have this perspective, and that uh, he's not just... Mm -hmm 
talking in large terms here. Whenever you re- meet a rich person, no, he's probably ta- he probably actually has some people in mind that he's talking mm-hmm. about whenever he's writing this. Mm-hmm. But he knows that there's been a problem too because he's writing to the churches, right, in the twelve tribes. He's saying, hey, there's a pattern that I've noticed, and I want to address it, okay? Um, and so apparently there were people in the church who were very rich, and then they had maybe some employees in the room who they're fellowshipping with in this newfound faith that they're now uh, co-heirs with Christ. They're now really equals, and there's a weird cultural difference because, well, technically I'm your boss and I pay you, evidently sometimes, uh, and yet because we're now in this group of 20 and we're being persecuted outside the church and now that we're in the church and we rely on each other and, and we're family in here, how do we interact and relate? And so James is addressing that. It's really important to know uh, that James's perspective is always going to be bring people together and reflect Christ. In everything that we do, right, throughout the whole book, he's been saying over and over, submit yourself to God behave in a Christ-like manner. We don't act like the world acts, right? And so in, th- in this passage, that's kind of what we're looking at is what does it mean to be rich versus poor? So we kind of covered that. And then to recognize that there were some of the people who were rich in there who were taking advantage of those who were not, okay? And it's pretty clear how, right? Uh, verse four, if we look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. Okay, the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. So the, the specific offense is, is not paying your employees. And I know sometimes we'll go, okay, well, I'm not rich and, and I, I don't have any employees um, because, because I'm not rich. Um, and so, well, I can just ignore this passage and really kind of move on, right? Um, Generally, no, no, we can't just move on. Uh, it's really helpful to look and see like, okay, what is the relational aspect that he's talking about? Because scripture applies far more often than just the one specific instance that it's talking about. Um, and so that's part of where we're going through this observation and part here. And so we're going to look at, at the kingdom of God um, and what it looks like uh, for us here in this passage. Again, as we've been going through this book, we have to reference again one more time that that that. It's easy to approach the book of James as just the book of James and not recognize how it's connected to the whole. And it's, it, what makes it so easy is that James gets super practical. It's a short book. It's not as, uh, we might say, academic as some of Paul's writings are. Um, so it's just like, all right, hey, rich people, don't cheat your brother. Got it. Move along. But you still get to, into why. Because what we can do with that is just develop a list of do's and don'ts, right? right? Mm-hmm. And then before we know it, we end up becoming very much like the, the teachers of the law and Pharisees that Jesus had to point to, to, to accuse and say, hey, you have these lists of do's and don'ts that's a mile long, like as long as a CVS receipt, but, uh, but you, you have all that, but yet you're still missing the heart of it all. You're still missing the principle of it all. And so this is why we have uh, passages like the Sermon on the Mount, these, the, the listeners here, those who were gathered in these house churches, they had the oral tradition. They were listening and knew of the teachings of Jesus that were passed on down to them. And so when you look at, at what Jesus' ministry was, he, he began his ministry talking about the kingdom of God. He was talking about that the kingdom of God it has arrived. Okay? We like to call this that while we know that the kingdom will be finally ushered in, wrong, will, will be made right, that will come, but we kind of live in this like already but not yet kind of, of a time right now. And it's like, okay, here, here goes John again with his, his theological stuff, but, but catch this. For, the long, for all along, God has been wanting to restore relationship with man and God, Mm -hmm. with him as the king, the king of our hearts, the king of our actions, the king of all that we do, to where he is the one who has all authority and all say in what we do, okay? 
We as believers of Jesus, are, are, we are, when we profess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we really are saying that Jesus is now the king of all that we do. He supersedes any kind of cultural norm. He supersedes any kind of political norm to where if whatever he says, if it goes against what our culture may say, we got to go with what Jesus says, not what the culture says, right? Mm-hmm. And so... What Jesus lays out is what I was kind of talking about earlier um, uh, during the worship time and what Alton just alluded to, this whole relationship aspect of how we are to treat others. When you look again at the Ten Commandments, how God said, these are the, like, four commands are about how we are to treat God, to set aside Him as holy. But the rest, the, the rest of the six commandments literally are how we are to treat others. Don't commit adultery. Don't kill. Don't lie. Don't covet. Like those things. That, and so that falls into why Jesus said the greatest commandment of all is, the Lord, is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Two sides of the, of the same coin. And that's why even John says in First John, you can't claim to love God and hate your brother. It doesn't work. So, if we are the ones looking at the kingdom of God, and this is why James is writing this, like, look, we are, as Jesus said, the light of the world. We are like a city on a hill. We are the ones to be bringing the light of the gospel, the light of, of the good news that the kingdom of God is here, that Jesus can be the king of our hearts and of all that we do. And the best way to, well, one of the ways to do that is how we demonstrate love to each other, hmm. how we treat our fellow man. And so when James starts to target these quote-unquote rich people, these employers who are obviously cheating their, uh, their employees, he's saying, what is the kingdom of God? There is, it does not matter anymore if you're, if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're slave or free, if you're male or female, under God, we have this new life. This new, we are a new people, as Peter says. And so, along with that, we have the responsibility to seek first God's kingdom, to seek first His righteousness, and to, along with that, bring that rightness and justice to everything that we touch. Hmm. Not just feed the homeless, yeah. But also, pay our workers yeah. to treat people with justice and love and even generosity. So, with that as the background, now let's start going into the applications here. So, I'd like to open it up again. We, we've yeah. kind of done some observations here. Let's actually talk through, like, looking at this passage, what are some things that we can take to apply to our lives? Keith, you had your hand up. He's Keith, coming. Keith is a business owner, too, so he has employees. When you were sitting here talking, I was thinking about this thing. You know, first of all, you got to understand the perspective behind it. When people become, became Christians back then, like you are talking about, you had a variety of people. It wasn't like only you can be a Christian, only you can be a Christian. God, God brought all these different people in, mm-hmm. and some of those people were rich. And I think the reason why he's addressing that is because it's basically a life of selfish living, or a life of selfless living. It's a matter of the heart. So as he's addressing the rich people, he's simply saying, look, as a Christian, you need to understand, first of all, that God owns it all. He has blessed you with what you have. What you have is not for you to own. It's for you to manage. And as you manage that and you share that with others, they will see the change in your life and your heart change. And that will show that God is truly alive in your heart. It's sort of like, it's a whole basic thing in James about faith and works. It's not the works that save you. It's the faith that produces the works that people see that you have true faith. That's good. That's great. And I do give out Christmas bonuses to my employees. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the good kind of rich. Talking about ever since uh, we started, James, was um, a lot of the examples he's using aren't necessarily necessarily like you were saying, like, you know, this is exactly what I'm talking about, but it's more, a lot of times it is also intended to point to the heart issue, right? You can draw parallels to the other examples. Uh, show no partiality earlier in James, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I uh, got my assignments for work the other day 
And I was going to two homes in that day. One of the houses was literally like a million dollar home. And the other one, uh, when I pulled it up, it looked like it wouldn't be standing another 10 years. <laughs> and, and it was so funny because I'd been teaching through this, studying through this and thinking about that. And it would be real easy to discount that second home and not give him the same benefit that I give the guy that owns the million dollar home. But I went into both of those homes with no prejudices, with no, with no like, hey, this guy's not going to be able to do it or this, you know, it's not even worth my time. Uh, and I think that that's really what he's trying to say here. Mm -hmm. You can have two people that are, have the same amount of you know, uh, bread stored in the bank account there, but who are living uh, differently from the heart and their mm -hmm. reflection to the world. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That's really good. Someone else? We got we got we got one girl perspective. I'd I'd love to hear from from some some of the other women here. Yes, we got one over here. Also a Spensley, if anybody was wondering. <laughs> yep. We can always find something to say. <laughs> um, one thing that really stuck out to me was um, the fact that uh, all of the witches that these witch people have, it goes away, right? Mm. And when you look at that in like from the other perspective. If you have nothing, you, you, you can't lose anything else, right? Mm. But you have it all when you have Christ, right? And I um, always find it really interesting how uh, in the Bible they point out how rich people have a harder time being mm -hmm. dependent on Christ because they have all this. And he's saying that even your silver and your gold will rust um, and you'll be left with nothing and it'll be a testimony to what you really stood on and what you really did have in the beginning. Mm. And um, that was one thing that, that really spoke to me. That's awesome. That's good. I think also we don't clearly define what rich means. I mean, honestly, we live in America. Anyone living here <laughs> who is basically not homeless is rich. Mm -hmm. That could be any of us. <clears throat> So when we talk about rich, it's just anyone who has to give and is withholding it. It's actually a really good point. And, I, and again, looking historically, uh, literally, if you're poor, that, meant, that didn't mean that you didn't have a savings account. That meant that hopefully you ate. And to actually even be rich didn't necessarily mean that you had two yachts um, or one yacht. It meant that <laughs> you were able to eat. Yeah. And maybe a few other luxuries, too. Uh, so yeah, it's interesting, like, you know, we, uh, we often define... Oh, actually, let me ask this question. Who thinks they're rich here? Right. Okay. Oh, we got two. So, Honesty. It's good. Now listen, you rich people. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In comparison to the rest of the world. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it, yep. it's, we don't want to get too, like, social or political here. Right. Because I don't think that's what James <laughs> is trying to do. But it is a matter of, but you're absolutely right. Sometimes, like, going to the yacht thing, I only have one yacht. This guy has two. They're the rich one, right? right? And so you, you make the, it, it becomes almost a, the subjective thing. Or we only have one car, maybe a little more practical, and that family has two cars, right? right? Or... We live in a 1,200-square-foot apartment. You live in a 3,000-square-foot. You know, we compare internally a lot more than we're willing to admit to. I think in, in looking at the observations, the application side of this, that's important to recognize for ourselves. You don't need to confess. You don't need to raise your hand and wall close your eyes. Just, but think about this as, as you read it. How does that apply to us individually? Because we do. We compare a lot and we hold money, we were talking about this on Wednesday morning, money to us in the U.S. is, is this like incredibly important, powerful thing. And sometimes we value money over relationships and over people. And I think this passage is, is clearly applying that we should not be valuing money over people, but rather people are far more important because who does God care about? And as we're aligning more and more throughout the book of James with God for aligning more and more with Christ. And as he says in, in chapter uh, four, verse 11, you know, brothers do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. Like we're talking about people relationships. And oftentimes as the church in 2018, we don't really like to talk about people relationships. We like to talk about rules. 
Because rules are easy to define and say like, well, that one broke, this one was not broken. It's easy to do it, but people relationships are hard. Is there anybody else who has ob- observations or applications from this passage? We'd love to keep, keep going. You got a mic? Travis, right here. Brother-in-law. Did a poll, and they found that 40, 40% of the people that they polled um, when asked what was more uh, appealing to find like a, a spouse or a significant other, 40% of them said that it was that uh, finding somebody that was financially secure was more important to them than than somebody that that uh, that they felt love towards. So I thought that was a pretty. Um, I was surprised by that. <clears throat> so it just kind of goes to show you, um, especially in this culture, what's important to people, even when it comes to finding a a soulmate. That's uh. So maybe we can, maybe we can't easily skip over this passage, because I know what I'm reading. I'm like. Now listen, you rich people, okay? Keep on going. That's not for me. I'm not rich. Patience and suffering? I, I do suffer. We yeah. can go to that. <laughs> Verse 7, yeah. yeah. Um, so one of the things we were talking about on Wednesday morning is we are talking about, like, how, how does this apply to us, right? If, if we don't feel categorically rich... Uh, we can look at the worldwide perspective and go, anybody who makes you know, $25,000, $20,000, I think it is, or more a year, any, any family that does that, is in the top 1% of the world, worldwide national, right? So as we uh, start to look outside of just the U.S. economy, uh, categorically, we are all, unfortunately, kind of wealthy in a way. Um, obviously, in our relationships today and tomorrow, we're probably not feeling terribly wealthy, right? Because we're in that category of, like, we're in amongst everybody else who's similar, right? Um, and so we're talking about what, what does it look like to, to behave as they did here in verses one through, one through six? Uh, you know, he says, look, the wages you have failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields. Does anybody have fields that are getting mowed? Okay, like, for the most part, we don't really hire workmen to go and harvest our wheat, right? And then we have a threshing guy who threshes the wheat, Right? <laughs> And then we have like grape stompers, right? We don't really like hire a lot of things like that today. Um, and so we were talking about... <laughs> That's a big great LinkedIn profile account. I'm a, a professional grape stomper. <laughs> That's, That's wild to think about. So uh, uh, for us today, though, we, we hire actually a lot more than we realize we do. We, we have people who serve us a lot more than I think sometimes we realize. Uh, you go into Publix right? And, and you buy your, your public sub because we all do that. And the guy behind the counter, the lady behind the counter, they're, they're serving you. You're hiring them for a specific service, right? So when we go to uh, Outback, some people go to Outback, some people don't like Outback. So let's say Texas Roadhouse. You know, you go to a, a local restaurant, right? And you order your food and you have a, a server who's making, uh, I think it's five, no, three, three, four dollars an hour um, server's wages, right? And then they're living off of tips. Their employment agreement is that the restaurant will pay them a pittance and then the customer who orders food will pay them the rest. So if anybody feels like going to Red Robin, Can please go visit uh, Kai. He will get you seated promptly. And pick a good server for you. Um, but we do hire more often than I think we realize sometimes. Some of us actually have houses and we have a guy who mows maybe our yard. Um, but in a more practical example for most people, we, we go out to eat, right? We interact with people who, who serve us at, at a myriad of different ways, at the bank, at different places, right? And part of that relationship is implied that you're going to pay them for that service, right? And so... Sometimes we take, unfortunately, rich people actions, uh, and it's really easy to do, actually. We try to take rich people actions and, and find ways around paying, find ways to not pay the person that we're supposed to pay. I coupon. I love couponing. We're not talking about finding, like, realistic ways to save money that they said, I approve this way to save money, right? We're talking about uh, unscrupulous trying to cheat people out of, of their pay, uh, and that's, that's not fair to the person who's working, who, who's, who's working hard and putting their sweat and tears and blood into this, this work for you, even if it's a clean environment. Uh, but they're, they're putting out their work for you and, and the right 
relationship is that you pay them for their service. Uh, and when we take rich people actions and we, we don't pay or we find a way to cancel this credit card so that it doesn't bounce and then this one will get returned. Uh, I've had friends in the past who would, would make a purchase on a credit card and then you can call in and dispute it. Uh, that, that's, that's cheating. Um, that's stealing. Okay. Um, sometimes uh, you'll, you'll find something you're not quite as happy about in your, in your sandwich uh, or the, the bacon was a little bit cooked more than you wanted and you try to send it back three times. I had a guy at Burger King do that yesterday. We were getting lunch there and this guy came back. He returned three or four different sandwiches because the bacon was a little bit further done than he wanted. It's a sandwich at Burger King, my friend. Uh, and, and we can take those actions sometimes. I think we need to, to always make sure we're examining our hearts and our intentions and the behaviors that we model, not only for unbelievers, but for our fellow believers, right? Because oftentimes we will be interacting with the people in the church, in business, in commerce, and in relationship. And we need to make sure we treat people fairly because that's a reflection on our relationship with Christ. That's a reflection on, on who we say we are. You can say you're not that person, but you are. You are that person, right? So you have to make sure that we're aligning with who we truly are. Well, I think it goes, like, because we do that, we, we do those rich people actions sometimes mm-hmm. and act not so moral in the way that we save that money, and we do that to attain or to retain our finances because that's important to us. But it goes back to what Jesus says. Look, seek first my kingdom, seek first my righteousness, mm-hmm. and I will take care of you. So it goes back to that heart issue, yeah. and it goes back to how we are to treat others with justice, because James actually isn't even talking about generosity here. Nope. He's just talking about be just, be righteous in the how you treat others. Mm-hmm. Uh, who has the microphone? Okay. I was just going to say, too, that um, we don't go out to eat a whole lot, but probably a lot. So I'm rich. Hey, hey, huh? fellow rich Americans. Huh? But, um, you know, when we're eating out and I'm thinking, someone said a few weeks ago, be light, bring light. You know, I don't know if it'd be appropriate to put a tip down at the beginning when they greet you and say, hey, this 20 is for you. You know, just kind of, but to be generous. Because when they see us pray, they're watching, you know, and keep, you know, I was sitting there thinking that it's um, real easy to one way to not pay the people fairly is to be careful in life because depending on who it is, like sometimes I get people come up to the shop that's homeless, which I didn't realize there's that many homeless people in Atlanta Lakes or actually is, especially this time of year, but they'll want to sweep the floor or take the trash out or whatever. And I could do that and really take advantage of them, give them hardly Mm -hmm. anything. So I think to myself, well, what would I want to be paid okay. to do something, yep. you know, to help somebody out? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where we got to be very careful, that you don't take advantage of people based on their position in life. And um, so I thought about that. And then the side note, I don't know if you all know this. You know what the word TIP stands for? To ensure proper service. It actually, years ago, you gave it in advance to a waiter or a waitress so they would take better mm-hmm. care of you. Yep. Learn something cool. new, huh? Kai's about ready to jump out of his game. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on, come up. Yeah, go ahead and bring it up. Bring it up. Kai right there. Kai is a server, by the way. That's why we're picking on him. Nearly there. I do work in a restaurant, though, and uh, uh, once I got over my PTSD from what they're talking about. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of it's really lame is that... Uh, I don't usually work um, Sunday lunch shifts, um, one, because of my church, but sometimes I'll go to like an er- early service at a church and like I still tell my bosses like I, I'd rather have my Sunday uh, AM shifts covered by someone else because at the restaurant, we, we, that's realistically one of our worst shifts. Um, and it, it's, uh, mm-hmm. I think it, it has to do with like, you know, like recontextualizing what we consider like rich is um, realistically mm-hmm. just to not even beat around the bush, a lot of the church crowd is really not fun to, to deal with in a restaurant. A lot of times there's a lot of like a snooty kind of attitude or a I'm better than you, I just got a church type thing and uh, or they, they'll treat their servers poorly or they'll tip poorly and it's just, it's really sad um, how like you can tell, you know, you're dressed up, you're with your family or whatever, like, you know, you have your bags with you, you just came from church and then to go ahead and, you know, treat someone 
who has a lesser status than you just because, you know, you don't know if they're Christian or not. Worse than that, I mean, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, I have a question for you. How many times, maybe none, I don't know. How many times has anyone on your team gotten a tract in, in, instead of a tip? Has it ever happened? In your, I, I know it's happened in other friends. Has it, right. has it happened? It's happened a couple times, It's happened a yeah. couple times. Like, has it ever been like the, like the, the $100 That's thing? That's what looks like a dollar, and it's uh, actually not that. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. Please don't, don't do that. Just, we will complain about you in the back if you do that. <laughs> we, we don't carry tracks, by the way, partly because of that. Uh, but no, go ahead. Yeah. Hey, um, I actually also do work. I work in fast food, though, so I'm a little lower on the totem pole. <laughs> no, I, no, I work at no, Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Lots of people don't know that you can tip fast food people. Just uh-huh. saying. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, one thing I've noticed while working there is that um, <laughs> is that uh, the same thing where people will hand you tracks. Everybody complains about the tracks that they get, right? Like, I, I, as a Christian working there, I've received multiple tracks, and I always just kind of leave them around for my other coworkers to kind of see and uh, pick up or whatever. But everybody, they always have the worst attitude about them, mainly because the way that the media paints Christians. And um, I, I, I work with a lot of very worldly people, and they always, um, when people hand them a track, they're like, this is just a piece of paper that's judging me. That's what they see. Um, I got a, one of those pencils with the erasers on both ends, the other day it says, life without Jesus is like this pencil is pointless, which is such a depressing thing <laughs> to sell someone who's making minimum wage already. <laughs> right? like, I oh, couldn't gee, even get you a pencil. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for this pencil that doesn't work, that's telling me my life is pointless right now. That's tough. That's tough. <laughs> and yeah, so like to reason. hear from someone that that, that it's mm-hmm. terrible, right? I mean, I as a Christian know my life isn't pointless, mm-hmm. but non-Christians' lives aren't pointless either, right? Correct. So instead, as, um, as you're getting your food from, whether it be like a restaurant or fast food place, whatever, you're getting your coffee and you're in a rush already, rather than um, where it's like in the Bible, it's like if someone's clothless and, or hungry and you tell them Jesus loves you, mm. rather than give, being generous with mm. them, it's the same kind of idea where it's like, you know this person's making minimum wage. They have to put up with... I had someone yell at me the other day, right? They had to put up with um, very grumpy people in the morning or whatever rather than just telling them, hey, Jesus loves you, right? Um, kind of show it. Show your generosity um, and the fact that you're blessed um, in a different way. Hmm. So one of the, the interesting things about this whole passage is as we go through it, the, the words sometimes will throw us into one train of thought and we can't let that go and we can't get to the heart issue that the passage is talking about. And as we prayed through and prayed through and prayed through and, and listened to like four different sermons on this passage and they're way better than us. Um, but when we look at it and we prayed about it and, and look like, what, what is this passage really, really getting at? Uh, the word rich, we immediately like throw into like this category and we're like, our mind goes, hey, why are like rich people and poor people and, and mistreatment? And that, that's in there. Um, but really like the heart of this passage is not about money or wealth. Money or wealth is not, not, not the, like the heartbeat of this passage. This is one, a couple verses within the whole book of James, right? So we look at the context. The point is really about how we treat God's image bearers. People who are created in the image of God, how do we treat them? As believers, how do we treat fellow believers? Right? Obviously in the context, right? So how do we treat fellow believers who are made in the image of God? But how do we treat others who are made in the image of God? These are people who God has made in his likeness. He has put his imprint on them as a person. They have incredible value. Right. In the same way, we sang this morning about uh, and talked this morning about how God came to us when we were at our lowest, when we were directly in the face of Christ, sinning against Him. Right. Oftentimes, we look at the world and we go, "Oh man, they're just really heathens and they're sinners and pagans and, and whatever." Um, that that was that was us. Right. When God stepped into the picture and said, "Come here, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna fix this." And so the crux of this passage is really how do we treat uh, fellow image bearers, people made in the image of God? Uh, we, we talk about it like this little one-liner thing. You can't love God 
and cheat your brother or sister. You, that, those two things don't, don't align. I mean, you obviously can uh, cheat your brother and sister, uh, but that's, that is not a reflection of loving God. That, that's a heart issue of being selfish and, and, and being a human being, right? We're kind of terrible people sometimes. Uh, but the heart of it is really not about the money or the wealth or the rich or the poor. The heart of it is how do we treat fellow believers? How do we treat people who are made in the image of Christ? And how do we ascribe value to them in our relationships, in our interactions? Um, and sometimes that's really hard. Oh, like man. We're talking about like what we've talked about here is usually out of the wealth that we already have. To where we're, ex- we're expecting, mm-hmm. if we go to a restaurant, if we go to uh, the Publix or whatever, we're expecting to, yeah. to, to pay money, right? But sometimes, like, the truth is, Alton is a business owner. Like, mm-hmm. he, uh, he's partnered with, with, uh, with, with Joel, mm-hmm. and they do their thing. And um, I know that he was a little bit hesitant, but we kind of pushed him. Like, share the story about what you guys had to go through um, as employers. Yeah, so uh, about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, um, we were working on a project with an investor and, and uh, they had several properties we were working on them and uh, we were kind of the go-between. They were out of state and so we were kind of the managers on site and we would hire people to do uh, work and then he would fund it and we would kind of you know, go through this process. Um, so we had hired I mean, a lot of money worth of work and all of a sudden, he shows up and he goes, uh, hey, guys, uh, he, t- he types out an email. I don't, I don't have any money, so I'm out. Not cool. Uh, first of all, <laughs> uh, there's not nice words. Um, and then second of all, we, Joel and I had a responsibility as believers, just as people in general also, but as believers, we had hired people to do work, and they had, they had done work. They'd shown up, they'd done siding, they'd done uh, framing, they'd done all kinds of work. And, and we, we hired them. And all of a sudden, our money is not there because we weren't paid. Uh, and so we had a decision to make. Do we just say, see you guys? Uh, we don't have money, so we can't pay you. Um, instead, we, we said, like, what's, what's the right thing to do and where we're at? Well, what's our responsibility um, not just as believers, but as, as people treating other people. Uh, and so we found a way to pay them. We scraped together everything that we had. We got you know all kinds of stuff together. And we figured out a way, and we paid them. Because we had hired them. They said, we'll do this work for this much money. And we said, okay. We said, we would do this much work for this much money. He said, okay. Even though we didn't have our side covered... Our responsibility was to make sure that the people that we hired and, and, and entered into agreement with would get paid. And so we, we did. We made sure that they got paid. And that hurt us for a good long while. But that's okay because that's not the point. The point was not about us and our position at the end of it. You, right? guys, didn't, you guys didn't take a paycheck for a long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a while. And your wives were, were just excited about it, I'm sorry. They were stoked. Our wives were big fans of us being business owners and... Uh, being moral and upright and stuff, they're big fans. Um, no, it, it was a hard thing. It, now looking back, it's easy to say, this is the story, you know, we got cheated and then we still paid people and we're so moral and upright. And uh, it's really easy to look back and say that, but walking through the day of, the next day writing an email back, the next week writing checks, the next week figuring out how to cover those checks, you know, the walking through the day-to-day, the emotions of paying people when, when you've been cheated or when you just have a responsibility to pay somebody and maybe you went backwards on a project. Like, that walking through the day-to-day of that, the emotions, the conversations, the feeling of failure, all of that stuff, that's just the responsibilities of, of life as we have as Christians is... is it's going to be hard. It's not an easy thing. It's not a trite, just put a check in the box and go, I'll follow Jesus. It's good to go. It's hard stuff. Uh, and I think part of the beauty of having a church, of having a body of believers to come together is you can have people to go talk to and say, dude, I'm going through this and it's horrible. And they can say, well, I don't have any money either, but I can commiserate and love with you and, and encourage you to continue to do what is right and honest and above board. I can help you to continue to treat other people as Christ would want them to be treated. 
as God who gave them his image, who gave them value, even though we don't sometimes, as God gave them value and we learn how to treat them that same way, this body of believers gets to continue to encourage and, and push each other to grow. Uh, it, and what's amazing know. is, kind of going back to what you were saying with, with the tracks, that we, we, we think of clever ways, mm. clever ways to try to demonstrate God's love, when really it's actually really simple. Yeah. And, and sometimes in those simple things, it's actually the most profound. Okay. Because we are the ones to bring rightness and justice. Did, did you have something else? Yeah. Like, just more than just um, giving them money, right? But like giving them a kind, a kind attitude. And if they do mess up your order, order be gracious, right? Mm -hmm. Dignity and respect. Doug? I think it's um, important. You know, when we look back, and I think Kobe touched on this when you talk about chapter two and you talk about favoritism, is, and I think uh, what you were just speaking about, Alton, is the true answer, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if you go to two five, listen, my brothers, has mm -hmm. not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the Lord to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom? Mm -hmm. He promised. Um, he promised those who love him, but you have insulted the poor. It is not the rich who are exploiting you, or not the ones who are dragging you into court. Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law, which is what he's talking about in scripture. Love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing right. Boom. Mike Trot. I mean. That's it. So I think we'll just end today. Um, like, as, uh, you know, we, we've, we've looked at the scripture. We've, we've observed what's going on. Obviously, there are, are people who are being exploited and cheated. Mm -hmm. and, but yet, we also have the same responsibility to bring rightness and justice uh, um, mm -hmm. to our context, wherever we, we live, work, and play. So let's just leave with, with this passage that Jesus gives um, in Matthew chapter 5. It says, now listen, let's, let's stand up. Let's kind of, we've been sitting for a while. We'll, 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 we'll end with this. Jesus says, you, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Here we go. In the same way, <laughs> let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So let's end in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come before you today and, and go into this next week, dear Lord, I pray that you'd help us to continue to remember these words, that we are salt and light, that we would be a good flavor to those that we interact with, that we would treat those who bear your image with dignity and respect, that we would hold up our end of the bargain when we agree to things that we would accurately represent you in the way that we treat people and interact with fellow believers as well as unbelievers, Lord. God, help us to, to have hearts that yearn to know you better, to know you more, and to be more in line with who you are. As we go forward and, and, and start going through the Advent calendar, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to, to uh, build a read scripture, observe, uh, learn how to apply, and, and pray through these things that you'd continue to reveal more about yourself to us each day. Help us as we, as we uh, continue to want to uh, reflect you in our relationships, uh, but also just in our, our hearts as we struggle with uh, selfishness, with pride, with uh, you know, personal desires, that, that we would learn to offer those up to you and say, not my will, but yours be done. Let you take the, the, uh, the till and, and direct the course of our lives as we go throughout the next week and, and next couple months here. Um, just continue, Lord, to, to be that ever-present uh, help that uh, the Holy Spirit we would learn to continue to listen to over and over uh, and more readily that those, those soft, gentle nudges would be uh, enough to help us realize what we need to do, Lord. May your name be blessed and praised throughout this week. In your name we pray. Amen.